texts and emails. You've got oil changes and groceries. You've got kids. And you got swimming lessons and football and friends and eBay. And showers and shopping and things can get pretty crazy pretty fast and to make things worse your crazy life is being lived alongside other lives that are just as crazy and before you know it the whole house is hectic we need help We need help, and we often think, yay, summer is here, it's going to slow down, we can relax, right? Yeah, forget it. It just doesn't happen in our culture today, does it? In fact, sometimes it's harder for me because the kids are not on a schedule, or, or actually now that they're older, they're, they actually are on a schedule. They have a work schedule, and, and uh, so we can still fall into some sense of a, a schedule in the summer, but sometimes it's just sort of that... Harry, Carrie, you know, you're going here and you're going there. And, well, we lost a piano player this morning because they decided to go to some function over in Saratoga. You know, it's just like there are things like that that, that happen. And, uh, and life gets hectic. And, and we've been talking about these keys, healthy, healthy keys. Um, and, and the one we're talking about this morning is forgiveness. And, and I tend to think of forgiveness as sort of the master key. Now, this was going to be the last key we talk about for this series, but we're going to extend it one more week. I have another thing that, that's kind of come up that I want to talk about next week. So we're going to extend this series one more week. But this morning, we're talking about forgiveness. And it's a tough one, I know. It's very tough. You're already thinking, oh, great. You know, why did I come today? I didn't, I, I didn't want to hear this. I, I didn't want to hear what we're going to hear today. I know it's hard, we, but we talk about forgiveness all the time. We talk about God forgiving us. And, and I'm not sure we really ultimately get how much and to what degree He has forgiven us, but that's one of the things that we do as far as in, in our, our walk with the Lord. Jesus paid the price for our sin and our forgiveness. But when it comes right down to it, Forgiving someone else who has, who has injured us in one way, shape, or form is a very difficult thing to do. Now, the, the crazy thing is, not one of us in here don't like to be forgiven. You know, we're all imperfect. We screw up. We make mistakes. We say things we shouldn't. We do things we shouldn't. We, we sin. And the consequences of that sin affects other people around us. And when we have someone come to us or we go to someone and we say, will you forgive me? And they say, you know what? Yes, I will forgive you. Who doesn't want that? We all want that. But yet we have this resistance recognizing how important it is to be forgiven. We sort of get hung up on forgiving other people. And that's one of the things that we're going to really be challenged with today. Uh, Debbie punched in her boyfriend's new phone number, and a woman answered. And she said, is, is Mike there? And, and she was kind of surprised, and the woman said, um, he's in the shower. And Debbie said, well, please tell him that his girlfriend called. Well, when she didn't call him back, she called him again. And this time, Mike answered the phone. He said, this is Mike. And she said, you're not my boyfriend. And he said, I know, that's what I've been trying to tell my wife for the past half hour. 
You know, sometimes things like that happen and they're misunderstandings and, and you know, if we nip them in the bud right away, forgiveness can be given for a mistake and we can go on down the road. But sometimes phone calls like that happen and it's not a mistake. And, and there is a great degree of forgiveness that must be extended. You see, as far as keys are concerned, I think forgiveness, again, is the master key. Forgiveness is necessary at work. Forgiveness is, is necessary in our marriages. Forgiveness is necessary between uh, brothers and sisters and brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters. Uh, forgiveness is, is necessary when our waiter doesn't fill our glass of soda when, he thinks, when we think he should. Forgiveness is, is given and needs to be given when your steak comes out and it's not prepared in the same way that you wanted it prepared. I mean, we, we forgive and must forgive every day. In, in multiple situations. But sometimes there are those big things that happen that we struggle with when it comes to forgiveness. And, and we're going to talk about that today. We forgive, we forgive, we forgive. Now, I wonder how many here today would say that you know a little bit about forgiveness. You've experienced it before. Um, you've either, either had to give it or you've, you've been able to receive it. Um, someone Maybe it's someone asking us to forgive them. Or maybe you're your memory surrounds sitting down with someone and asking them for forgiveness. You're, that's coming to your mind right now. You're, you're thinking about situations in your life where there's been the, the need and the necessity for forgiveness to be asked for or to be given. And that's where I want our minds to go this morning. You know, saying we are sorry is pretty easy. It's those last four words that, that we kind of get hung up on sometimes. In fact, sometimes we say, I'm sorry, and we stop right there. And we don't go on with four important words, will you forgive me? Now, you never know how that, that question is going to be answered. But that shouldn't stop us from asking for it. I've had it turned down before. That's hard. But, but, you know, at that point, I've done what God has asked me to do and has, has gone to seek to reconcile that relationship. I mean, forgiveness, um, most of us here today know something about God's forgiveness. Um, you've experienced His forgiveness. Um, and what an amazing thing that is. You know, if you don't know what it feels like to receive the forgiveness of God, my prayer is that, that you would soon, that, that you would experience that life-giving peace and forgiveness that can only come through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's the most amazing and illogical thing you'll ever experience, this forgiveness thing. Now, I'm not an expert in forgiveness, um, but I do have plenty of opportunities to forgive. And, and as I've thought about my life in this last week, uh, almost 47 years of life, it's, it's only been in the last seven or eight where I've really, really had to sort of forgive. You know, where there's something that's been, been, been big enough to shake life up, where, where there was extreme hurt and pain caused, where I, it was necessary that I forgive. And with that pain and forgiveness and the need to extend it it, it, it is a reality in our life. But it is so hard, isn't it? I mean, you're thinking, you might be thinking right now, Pastor Dave, there is no way I could forgive so-and-so for this. 
or 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 it's just it's just too enormous. It was just it was too painful. I I can't do it. Well, hang with me here because it, it doesn't seem fair that we should have to forgive, but God knows what's best, and we just have to trust Him. And, and with that pain, forgiveness, and the need to extend it becomes a reality in our life, and, and we just have to obey Him and what He commands of us. I mean, that's where I, I generally land. That's my personality. Okay, God said it. I just need to do it. Okay, but forgiveness is one of those things that's a whole lot easier said than done, isn't it? <laughs> um, yes, I know I need to do this. Yes, we know we should forgive. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. We're going to see that today. But when it comes to that point, how on earth do we do it? And I think we're going to see that today. Um, all too often, the state of our health, the state of our relationships revolves around something called unforgiveness. Um, when we have unforgiveness in our life, it, it creates anxiety. It creates knots in our stomach. And, and, and those knots that were initially caused by this pain or this, this betrayal or whatever it is this other person did to, to hurt us, initially that's where that anxiety comes from. But, but eventually I think it transfers from that into this, this state of unforgiveness, which then can plant the seed of bitterness. And if we, re, if we continue with unforgiveness in our heart towards this person, that seed of bitterness will begin to grow. And it will grow and it will grow and it will grow. And it will, it will take over your life like a trumpeter vine takes over the backside of your house. It will try to infiltrate windows and air conditioners. And, and, and we, we get this idea, I, I read this this last week, that, that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, we do. We, we have this bitterness in our life, and we think that somehow this bitterness is hurting that other person, and it's not. They have no idea, maybe, that you're feeling the pain and the anxiety that you feel. It, this is a hard thing, and, and, and in no way, shape, or form do I want you to hear me minimizing the pain of, of things that must be forgiven. I'm not doing that. And we're going to see as, as we go through this. And as you look at your notes, you're going, holy smokes, we've got a lot of, a lot of things to fill in here. And we're going to get through these. We are. And, and I think it's necessary that we get through all of these things that we have here. So I think that our first step here this morning is to take a look at God's view of unforgiveness. God's view of unforgiveness. Listen to these words of Jesus. After washing the feet of the disciples just before His crucifixion in John 13, 15, and 17, this is what Jesus says. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And by the end of this message today, you and I will know some things. And we need to remember that we will be blessed if we do them. It's not this is just for other people. This is for us. This is for me. This is for you as individuals here this morning. Sometimes we can become so comfortable with unforgiveness that we avoid thinking about it. And I want us to be motivated this week to think about it. Open your heart up. Um, re, you know, it, 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 it might involve peeling some scabs off, exposing some wounds. 
that I believe it's necessary. I want all of us to do an inventory of injury and wounding and difficulty that we've experienced in life. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, you know, Pastor Dave, I just can't come up with anything. Praise God. Hallelujah. But there will be a day that this applies to you. There will be a day. And, and as we think about those, as we make that inventory of the things we've experienced, and then we're going to take steps to forgive. And, and maybe you started this process a little over a year ago. I, I don't know if you remember, a year ago in March, I gave this message right here this morning. And, and as I was thinking about this message this week, and as I was thinking about the, the message on forgiveness, I thought, you know, we should, we should get this message every quarter. We should be reminded of this more than one time a year when it comes to, to our lives. Because some of us, there are things that are so huge. that And, and I recognize it is a process that God's, God takes us to in order to be forgiven. But, but if it's a really big thing and, and, and we're like, okay, Lord, you're going to leave here this morning. And it's like, all right, Lord, I really want to do this. I really want to forgive this person. And, and then after a week or two or a month, it, it just becomes really hard. And, and that, that, that root, you just, it's like a dandelion root. You know, you can pull the tops off, but the doggone root is still... The, you know how you could tell the difference between a flower and a weed? When you pull a flower, the roots all come up. When you pull a weed, the roots don't come up. They stay in the ground. So, you know, any of you husbands, whenever you're trying to determine in the flower garden which is a weed, just pull it up and it'll, you'll, you'll know. <clears throat> but we give up. And, 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 and we don't stay the course. And we need to stay the course when it comes to forgiveness. Now, now this message was a part of the Got Dirt series that we did over, it was a year ago last March. And, and I had heard some messages by James McDonald from Harvest Church, and they really impacted me. And, and a lot of that stuff has made its way in here. Okay? But this is stuff that, that I need to hear again. Trust me on this. I need to hear this again, and we all need to hear this again. So my hope and prayer for us is this morning is, number one, that we've all experienced the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that every one of us in here is a Christ follower. But I recognize that some of us in here might not be. And, and my prayer is that, that, that you truly experience what it means to be forgiven and to experience that. And, and I hope one day soon, you, because you see that forgiveness that we experience from God, it's undeserved. We are 100% unable to repay it. It's illogical. It makes no sense why someone would do this for us. But he did. And, and that is just amazing. We're forgiven nonetheless. And as Christ's children, we are to obey his word. As his followers and his disciples, and I know this is tough, and I want you to know that I understand the process. I do. Truly I do. Those that know me well, no, there's been things in my life that have been tough. You see, the reason that the thought of forgiveness is so difficult is because it's completely and totally irrational. We live in a give-and-take culture. You know, you buy something, it's worth this, you pay that amount of money. You do so much work, you expect so much in wage. You, you do this, you do that. In, in movies and, and, and on television, it's always somebody does something bad, then somebody else does something just as bad to them, and that's fair. That's justice. 
Video games are made on this premise. You go kill all the bad guys, right? Because they deserve it. And that's what we begin to think in our minds. This person caused pain and injury in my life, so they deserve to feel the same kind of pain that they caused in my life. But that's, that's not the way it works. That's humanly speaking the way we want it to work. In some way, shape, or form, it might give us a sense of satisfaction or make us feel good, but ultimately it doesn't. It's empty. It truly is empty. So what do we do? So what do we do? The first thing I want to do this morning is I want to look to Jesus. Jesus said a lot about forgiveness. In Mark chapter uh, 11, verse 25, Jesus said this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And think about that. Write that down. Meditate on that this week. Mark 11, 25. Jesus is saying if you come to church and you sing or as you read your Bible and, and, and you are holding unforgiveness in your heart or you become aware of something that you're holding against someone, Jesus says you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. You've got to forgive. If you hold anything against anyone, He says, forgive them. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says this, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Now, I want to make this clear because we could become a little bit confused here. Forgiveness is not the plan of salvation. Okay, It's the proof of salvation. We are not saved by our works. So it's not, if I forgive Tom, then, then I'm going to be saved. Jesus, I'm going to make Jesus happy by doing that and He's going to forgive me. That's, that's not how it works. Okay. The forgiveness is proof of salvation. We don't forgive so we will be saved. We forgive because we have been forgiven. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, we are to ask Him to forgive us our debts or trespasses, depending on which translation you memorize that in. Forgive us our debts, what? What's the next word? As. You see, it's assumed that we're going to forgive, that we are forgiving. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we're saying, God, I want you to forgive me in the same way that I forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we, like we, in the way that we forgive others. Forgiveness is tough business, but it's commanded business. Let's, turn, let's all turn to Matthew chapter 18. This will not be up on the screen, so turn to Matthew chapter 18. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one right in front of you. should be underneath the seat. If there's not, poke somebody in, in the row in front of you and ask them to hand you one from in front of them. Matthew chapter 18. It's the first book of the New Testament about two-thirds of the way towards the back of the Bible. Matthew chapter 18 and we're going to begin reading in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? You see, let's stop right there. Jesus has been teaching in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 18 about forgiveness. He just taught that if someone sins against us, we should go to them and, and, uh, and work it out with them. 
he's focusing on forgiveness and, and Jesus is teaching and, and I think maybe Peter's mind wanders a little bit. You know, Jesus is teaching and, and Peter starts thinking about this forgiveness thing and he's thinking to himself, maybe, wow, this forgiveness thing, this could really get carried away. I mean, I'm not so sure about this. Your, your minds never wander, right? On a Sunday morning during a message uh, when the birds are chirping uh, under the eave. That is really annoying, isn't it? We really need to forgive those birds and <laughs> let them live, knowing that one day they will, they will on their own either fall out and be eaten by a cat or fly away Okay. It's what's that? Oh, okay, okay. All right. Here's the thing. Peter Peter's like what is what is going on with this forgiveness thing? I I, I think we could really get carried away with this. And then when he has a chance to ask Jesus, how many times shall I forgive? And then he throws this out. Um he goes on there and 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 what does he say? He says um, should we forgive 77 times? No, I'm sorry. I got ahead of my, myself. Seven times. Okay, now here's why, here's why I think Peter says seven. Okay, why did he say 10? Why didn't he say 25? Why didn't he say 100? I, I think Peter says seven because according to the rabbis, you had to forgive three times. You, you, you at, were actually given a maximum, okay? You, you have to forgive this person three times. If they do this to you three times, you can forgive them on the fourth one. Forget it. I'm not forgiving you. So what Peter does is he doubles it and adds one. Okay? He's like, Lord, how many times do we forgive? What? Seven? You know, he's thinking this is a huge number, right? And then Jesus blows their socks off with his answer in verse 22. I tell you, not seven times but 77 times. I bet Peter just went, you've got to be kidding. Seriously? I mean, Jesus rejected Peter's number altogether. And he says 77 times would be more like it. Now, if you memorize this verse or you're carrying the King James with you this morning, it says 70 times 7. Okay, now the reason for that difference in translation is because in the original Greek, it's 70 comma 7. So it could mean 70 plus 7, 70 times 7, 77. Okay? The point is, it's, it's, it's just a hypothetical number, meaning an unlimited amount of, of, of times. Because who's really going to keep track to 77? Maybe we would, Right? It's like using a million. You know, we used to say, we, we say this a lot, right? If I've told you once, I've told you a million times. Did we really tell them a million times? No, it's a figure of speech. It's, it's an unlimited number. And Jesus is saying, you can't put a limit on forgiveness. 
You can't put a limit on forgiveness. And then Jesus says, hey, Peter, listen to this story. It'll help you understand. It'll help illustrate what I'm talking about. And in verse 23, he begins, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, okay? Stop right there, the kingdom. If you're, if you're okay with writing in your Bible, I want you to underline kingdom of heaven because this is important. What Jesus is prescribing for us here is, is of a heavenly nature. It's not within us as human beings to do this. This teaching is not of this world. It's not man's way. It's God's way. Which is why it can be so difficult for us. If we try to rationalize it or understand it in a logical sense, it will fall completely apart. This blows human thinking out of the water. And in our own strength, absolutely we're going to fail. We're not going to be able to do it. Because there are pains and hurts out there that are that big. But I am not twisting the words of Jesus. This is what the Bible says. This is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven can be compared to, verse 23, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. This king wanted to receive what was owed to him. As he began the settlement, verse 24, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 10,000 talents. This isn't a small amount of money. This is not a home mortgage. One talent equals 20 years' wages. Okay, let's do the math. For, let's say $40,000 a year is an average yearly salary. Take that times 20 equals $800,000. That's one talent. Now we have to multiply that times 10,000. Okay? Is this bringing a little more meaning to the story for us? So it equals $8 billion. There is no way on earth this servant is going to pay back this debt that he owes the king, is there? Not in a million years. Right? If he worked every minute of every day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year until he died, he couldn't pay it back impossible. The picture Jesus wants us to see is a debt that is unpayable. Impossible. It's un, it, 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 there's no way. Now, when it comes to our sin and salvation, we all have an unpayable debt, don't we? We can't do enough good. We can't be good enough. We couldn't be isolated enough as a human being. We couldn't be born and, and hauled out to the, to the woods and the mountains and, and, and live in isolation our whole life and not be good enough. We could not pay. Many people have done many things to you. Horrific acts that occur in our country every day. We don't just see this stuff on the TV. It happens here. It happens in our community. Everyone sitting here this morning, I'll bet, has had something done to them and, and, or people that you love by another person. And they cannot pay. They can't pay. There's no way that they can repair the damage that they have done or replace what has been lost, maybe. They can't pay. There's no payment that can... That there is no payment that you can extract from them that will cover the debt. No revenge that you can demand. What has been done cannot be fixed without grace. 
It cannot be fixed. This servant could not pay. And then in verse 25, the, the illustration goes on. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Here's what I'm requiring of you, the master said. You are going to be a slave for the rest of your life. You're going to have to work for nothing, eat bread and water. It's going to be a miserable life for you until you die. And even then, you know what? You need to recognize that you still can't pay the debt that you owe me. So what, what did the servant do? The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. He begged, and I will pay back everything. Wait a minute. He doesn't get it, does he? He doesn't understand that he owes $8 billion and there's no possible way that he could even begin to repay the debt. Yet he's on his knees asking for patience to pay everything back. Listen, very seldom, if ever, is anybody that hurts you or me going to be able to repay us. And here's why. Because very seldom, if ever, does the person who sinned against you rightly calculate what they owe. It's never going to be enough. Don't look for that. Don't even expect it. The person who needs to be forgiven seldom, if ever, properly calculates what they really owe. And that includes you and me. And again, shame on us if we're only thinking of people that have hurt us. Because we're all sinful people. We all do stupid things. We have all hurt other people. None of us rightly estimate the impact of our failures and shortcomings on others. So verse 27, what happens? The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Could you imagine? I mean, the, the bastard's response is crazy. It's illogical, isn't it? It's quite silly. Why would he give up all of the money that, that is owed to him? He doesn't give him more time. His response isn't patience. His love and compassion reach far deeper than that. He completely forgives the debt. It's done. It's gone. Okay, I forgive it. He wipes the slate clean. What a move. What a move. Then the story continues in verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. By comparison, this is a few dollars in today's day and age. Maybe ten, but probably closer to five. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now in this story, it's like he just walked out of the king's court and he walks down the road and he sees his friend and he proceeds to grab him. And again, I think, seriously? What is he thinking? Why is he doing this? The servant's master canceled the debt and let him go. 
But when he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. Isn't Jesus a great teacher? He made it so clear. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Sound familiar? Those same words used by the servant to the king when the debt couldn't be paid are used by the servant's friend referring to a debt that actually could be paid back. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. I never did really understand that. You throw a guy in prison and expect him to pay something back. He can't work in prison. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which he would never be able to do. Now, I want you to circle or underline this verse in your Bible, verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wow, those are harsh words. God is serious about forgiveness. That's the only conclusion I can make. Remember Jesus' words in John, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I bet the servant is thinking as he cowers in front of the master I knew it I knew what I should do but I didn't do it I knew I should forgive but I just I just couldn't and he was delivered to the jailers why don't people forgive why don't we forgive why don't Christians forgive of all people who have experienced the ultimate in forgiveness. We make rationalizations, but really they're foolish. Peter was looking for a way out seven times. Is there an expiration date, Lord? Maybe. Is there a statute of limitations on forgiveness? Is there a crime that I don't have to forgive? Is there an exit ramp? Is there a hall pass? Is there anybody in this room who thinks that they could come up here, tell their story of how someone hurt them, and, we could, and you could leave this stage with a pink slip that says you don't have to forgive? I don't think so. Jesus' answer is no. Everyone has to forgive for everything all the time. Oh, I hate that. Tom, lift this up here and put it on my shoulders. Just grab it by the sides. I didn't practice this. Okay. Fifty-pound bag of rock salt in this. This this backpack represents your your story. Represents mine. This represents the pain 
that somebody has caused you or me. And, and it's a lot like this, isn't it? We carry it around with us. It weighs us down. It, it causes anxiety in our life. But oh, we don't want to get rid of it because we have good reasons, right? To continue to carry this around. Five reasons. Write them down. Five reasons we might have for not forgiving. Number one, I can't forgive because it's just too big. It's just too big. And I want to say all the more reason to get this dumb thing off your back, right? Get it out of your life. Because if it happens again or something else happens, you mean I'm going to have to carry two of these? The bigger it is, the more we should want to get rid of it. Number two, time will heal it. If I just ignore it long enough, it'll just go away. Trust me, that doesn't happen. Now, I believe time heals. I believe it takes time. It's a process. But if you're thinking of just distance of time, and, and if I just ignore it long enough, it's just going to go away, it's not going to happen. You're going to run into that person. You're going you're gonna to come into a situation where all of these in, this information's back in your mind and it's going to ooze and it's going to pus and it's going to be there and you're going to refill all of that pain again. Number three, I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. Until then, I'm going to carry this with me everywhere I go. Until they come to me and say they're sorry. Well, you know what? Guess what? The odds of that, unfortunately, are pretty low. That they're going to come and ask you to forgive them. Now, every one of us in here should recognize what Jesus said earlier in chapter 18 where He says if you recognize something that you hold against someone, you need to go to them. And you need to work that out. We need to, we need to get that worked out in an honest and, and a, a biblical way. But if you're waiting for someone to come to you and say they're sorry, it's probably not going to come. And what's going to happen? You're going to continue to carry this around with you. And trust me, it's heavy. And, and then, if they do come, and you're thinking, well, I'll just, I'll just forgive when they come, you're not going to be ready when they do come. Your heart's not going to be in the right place. And if we choose to forgive and allow God to work that out, we will be ready. Number four, I can't forgive if I can't forget. Okay, that's completely backwards. You have no possibility of forgetting at all if you don't forgive in the first place. Now, forgetting is tough for us as humans anyway. We tend to put things, we tend to put more things in empty pockets and carry them around with us in case we might need them one day to hold something against someone. Husbands and wives are notorious for this. Husband was at a counselor with his wife, and he says, Every time we get into an argument, my wife gets all historical. And the counselor said, Don't you mean hysterical? And he goes, No, I mean historical. She brings up everything I've ever done wrong. I can't forgive if I can't forget. You will never, for some things, ever forget. Really. Number five, if I forgive, they will just do it again. Okay, again, we're, we're already carrying the weight of it the first time, and then we're just going to stick more stuff in here 
and we're going to carry it around with us more. I think the reasons really are foolish. And, and if I really wanted to illustrate the pain and, and anxiety of the weight of unforgiveness, I would wear this for the rest of the message. I'm not going to. Tom, can you come get this off of us? Thank you. Hope there's a nice, strong, strapping young man sits in that seat. Second service. Probably be my wife. I, she could probably pick it up. I bet she could pick it up. You see, those reasons are kind of foolish when we think about them in an honest way. And, and number three, the fallout is huge for this, for this thing. Unforgiveness punishes everyone in its path. It's, it's like a tornado ripping through the lives of everyone around us. Just look at the fallout that happens in the story with this servant. The first servant was in an amazing place. He had been completely... Wow, that feels really good. He, he had been completely forgiven of all of the debt he owed, but he threw his life down the drain by wanting the forgiveness of the king, but not wanting to extend it to others. Look at the fallout. There's a mental breakdown. He grabs the servant and chokes him. There's no, hey, hi, how you doing? He just grabs him and says, give me what you owe me. Have you ever had unforgiveness or hurt or pain bring you to that point where you have done something? You've had a mental breakdown? Shattered relationships. Uh, his fellow servants who, who, who loaned him the money, that relationship is gone. The other servants, the master. It, there's just all kinds of things being shattered. Others, others who are watching, you and me, as we go through these things, as they're looking at, um, into our lives from the outside. They were drawing conclusions. It was destructive. Humiliation before the king. What does the servant say as the king confronts him in the end? Nothing. Because there's nothing he can say. What excuse could he possibly give for not forgiving? And then finally, physical health. It affects our whole body. It, it just does. High blood pressure, ulcers, there is a physiological thing that happens when we don't forgive. When God says to forgive, we must be reminded that when we choose not to, it affects every aspect of our life. It's not rational. It's not illogical. It may seem impossible, but God says to forgive, and He will give us the supernatural ability to do it, just like we get power from the Holy Spirit to do any other key that we've talked about. And then number four, the consequences of unforgiveness are lasting. The consequences of unforgiveness are lasting. What happens in the text to the servant? He is turned over to the jailers for punishment. He's thrown in prison until he should pay all his debt. Suffering to pay is what he chose. The master didn't choose it for him. The servant did. He doesn't want forgiveness. He doesn't understand how forgiven he is. He doesn't want to forgive others. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. God means what He says. Lovingly, graciously, with the utmost care and concern for you and for me. It really is. If, if this message has, has pulled away old wounds and has opened things up, that's actually a good thing. Don't let it scab over again. Start the process of forgiving so that there is no wound anymore. There is no scab anymore. You, it, it's amazing how our bodies heal, isn't it? 
God means what He says. Seems impossible and harsh because maybe you've been ignoring or hiding the feelings of pain for a long time. They're rising to the surface. But Jesus is telling us to let it go. He's saying, let it go. Now, just to be sure we understand what the definition of forgiveness is, I I put it in your notes there. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that results when they injured me. A decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. You see, here's the thing. Um, There is always... That that pain, that, that, that stuff that we're forgiving for, it doesn't just disappear into thin air. You know, that $8 billion debt that that servant owed, that cost the king $8 billion. It just didn't... He didn't just forgive the servant and poof, there's $8 million in his bank account again. No, he absorbed the loss. And that's really what we end up doing is absorbing the loss. Now you have 10 blanks in your notes there. Mark Driscoll, a pastor in Seattle, gives a list of 10 things forgiveness is not. And I just want to run through these because sometimes we can have misconceptions. 10 things forgiveness is not. Number one, it's not approving or diminishing. It's not saying, well, it's okay what you did. That's not what forgiveness is. It's not enabling sin. It's not just, you know, kind of sitting back and letting it continue, whatever it is, and and somehow enabling them to continue sinning. It's not denying a wrongdoing. It's not saying, well, it really, you know, again, it's similar to number one. Ah, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not waiting for an apology. It's not forgetting. Sometimes people say, well, you just have to forgive and forget. Okay? It's not that easy. And, and, and I hope and pray that sometimes we, there are things that we do eventually forget and we don't think about anymore. But those, you're going to see things, you're going to see people, and those things are going to want to pop up again. And again, it's making that decision to release. I've released that person. I'm letting it go. I'm not going to grab a hold of that again and throw it in their face. It's not ceasing to feel the pain. Well, I've forgiven them. All the pain is just going to go away. It doesn't work that way. You've probably experienced it in some way, shape, or form. It takes time through the process of working on it for the pain to subside. Number seven, it's, it's forgiveness is often not a one-time event. We need reminded. We, we have to choose that over and over and over again. It's not neglecting justice. There's laws of the land. There's, there's civil penalties. Forgiveness is not necessarily trusting the other person. That takes time. If there's adultery in a marriage, it's going to take time. It can be healed. It can be reconciled, yes, but it takes time. It's not like immediate. Oh yeah, well you can trust me now. Whoa, wait wait a minute. It's going to take some, some time. But it's not just, again, ignoring it and hoping it's going to go away through that period of time. It's working in that process. And finally, number 10, forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. There will be times when you seek the forgiveness of somebody and they don't forgive you. There will be times when, 
a relationship may not return back to its original state. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. Now, if I reached down here and I snatched Tom's Bible out of his hand and took it from him and maybe slapped him in the face as I peeled it away from him, okay, an injury is caused. I've, I've injured him. There is something that would then be owed to him. Okay, forgiveness. Now, this doesn't quite work with a material thing, but uh, forgiveness would be Tom releasing me from the obligation of what I owe him. Saying, you know what, that's okay. You know, you hurt my feelings. You know, you made me look foolish in front of everybody at church. Reputation, all of those things. It, it, forgiveness would be Tom saying, you know what, I'm not going to try and get revenge. I'm not going to try and exact the same kind of pain from you. I forgive you for that. I'm going to choose to not hold you accountable for this. I'm going to release you from the obligation that resulted when you hurt me. So here's kind of the thing. Think about it in relation to the cross. That's what the cross is all about, isn't it? We have this debt that must be paid. We have this obligation. We've caused injury to God in our sin. And and just and it's been paid by the son. And and it's not like the son just said, "Oh, you know, it's just gone." What happened to Jesus on the cross? He took upon himself what? The sin of the world. He just didn't speak the words and poof, it was gone. He absorbed all of the pain and the sin and the hurt that we caused on Himself. It can't just be unpaid. It was paid. Now, eight years ago, a crime someone committed over a time of years was brought to light in our community. And praise the Lord if you don't know about it. But if you do you know the hurt and the pain, the betrayal, the mistrust that was caused by that. And I wonder, even as I continue through the process of forgiveness in my own life, that if there aren't some people here in this room, in this community, who yet have dealt with that and have forgiven that person. Or whatever it is, whatever you're carrying here with you this morning, And even, you know, as I stand up here and I talk about this, there are things that, that flood back into my, heart, into my heart and into my mind. And, but I can tell you, in response to that situation eight years ago, I've forgiven the person for the pain and the hurt that they caused in my life. And again, there's no way they could pay that, make it go away, but it's me recognizing by the grace of God that I've been forgiven and forgiving them and releasing them from the obligation that resulted from the pain that they caused me. And I have. I feel like I believe that if I saw this person in the grocery store that it would be a friendly conversation and all of those anxieties and fears that I felt eight, nine, eight, seven, six, eight years ago 
would not reappear because I've, I've let that go. God has taken that. I know it's hard. I know there's stuff heavy on your heart. There's stuff heavy on my heart. Different things, other things. That there must be forgiveness given. And, and, and it is so important as a church. So, so here's what I want you to do. This week I've put, I've put just a little fill-in-the-blank at the end uh, of your notes there. And, and maybe it's happened already. Maybe you, the Holy Spirit has worked so hard in your life here this morning as you've sat here. You, you know the person's name and, and you choose to forgive them and you could write that down right now and feel free to. But maybe you're only going to be able to write the situation down and begin to ask God to, to help you forgive and to understand the forgiveness that you've received and to be able to extend that to them. It's a process. Maybe it's revisiting what, what you started a year ago. Maybe there was something that, that God you know, uncovered in your life a year ago and, and, and you quit and now it's, it's here it is again. Okay, He means business. It's time. Please, please don't don't let the process end. Don't just walk out of here and say, you know what, forget it. I'm just not going to do it. Ask God who those people are that you need to forgive. Let's ask Him for understanding when it comes to how much He's forgiven us. And then in God's grace and in His mercy, let's extend His forgiveness to others. And my prayer is that if there is something big this would be the week this would be the week that you let it go by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace and mercy of God you could let it go for real let's pray Lord Jesus thank you thank you for thank you for your grace and your mercy Lord and it's that grace and mercy that we celebrate here this morning with the communion table, Lord. I can't imagine the pain and the suffering that, that you went through on that cross when you took on the sin of the world. Lord, I, I pray that, that every one of my friends in this room, that if you have highlighted something in their life that they need to forgive someone that they need to go to or an action. Maybe they don't even need to, maybe the person doesn't even know or recognize, but they've been carrying this bitterness in their heart. I pray, Lord, that you would help them dig that root of bitterness out, that your forgiveness would fill them just as your salvation fills us, just as we celebrate that this morning. Lord, thank you. Oh, Lord, it hurts. It hurts to think about that pain that, that other person caused. The, bet the betrayal, the mistrust. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us enough to want us to not have to carry junk around in our life. 
Help us, Lord. Help us to give that to you.